Hey guys, Steve here again, starting off the show with a little intro slash preview. Got a lot of good feedback on last week's episode regarding the intro, so I'm going to decide, not I'm going to decide, I've already decided that I'm going to do these intros or previews as much as I can, especially when it's pre-recorded episodes or episodes I didn't record that same week or as in this case in this week. So last week, you guys all heard Jason Baker. You heard the little fumble at the beginning where I actually got him confused with another Jason Baker, but it was still a great interview, still a great talk. Really appreciate Jason coming aboard. Would like to thank him very much. If you haven't heard, go back and listen to last week's episode. And on this week's episode, I'll be talking, sorry, I'm still a little bit, um, I guess I should say hi, high off, not drugs, not alcohol, but high off the enjoyment of the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship. So there's that to everyone else around the world. The Toronto Raptors are this year's NBA champions. I will be dropping an episode next week with my long lost cousin from the United States of America, Brian Fonseca. He follows, not that he follows, he does journalism for the Brooklyn Nets. He does all kinds of other sports. He has podcasts. He has a very big digital presence out there. So go search him and find out what he's all about so you're prepared for our talk next week. He's very informative. He knows his shit. And that's why I'm bringing him on so I don't sound like a fucking bumbling idiot fan who doesn't know anything about basketball. So at least there'll be one person who knows and one who doesn't. So it should be a great conversation next week. Can't wait to talk to Brian. But like I was saying, this week's episode is with Sebastian Suave. He is the owner, CEO, executive producer, and wrestler of Smash Wrestling. That is a local, I shouldn't say local, which is a Canada-wide wrestling company because he wants everyone to know that Smash is Canada's number one wrestling promotion, not Ontario's, not Toronto's, but Canada's. Again, you'll listen to the episode. You'll hear everything that we talk about. I like to premise this with just a little heads up because it was filmed at the Franklin Horner Community Center. So, you know, there's a little bit of background noise. There's people walking in and out on us. We were literally in the hallway after the show, just shooting the shit a bit. I tried to get as much as I could off him. He offered more than he was supposed to. Like I said, he was restrained on time and shit. So he had to go do his duties as the founder and CEO of Smash. So hopefully this is a good talk with him. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'm sure I'll have him back on in a future episode. So go again i was gonna say go check that out but obviously if you're listening you are gonna check it out and you probably want me to stop talking because you want to hear this episode on that note on with the show this is the podcast inc production booyah This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always 
Funny Self-Proclaimed Podcasting Champion of the World, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to use CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the first time at a cheap price, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, use promo code THEPODCAST25, you'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. They have tonics, rub-ons, balms, anything you need or want. And if you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show today, thank you very much. And go to poppyapparel.com. You could go shopping there. They have everything from women's clothing to accessories from top to bottom, whatever you want, whenever you want, use promo code the podcast with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship worldwide, free shipping if you spend more than $50. And please go rate, subscribe, review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And I'm also a part of the Pod Bros Network. If you like to listen to shows online or you want to support the other shows on the network, go to podbros.com. And if you shop on Amazon, click on their Amazon banner. It takes you two seconds, free of charge. Helps them out, helps me out. So this week, something unique. I've done a few of these on-location talks with my guests, but this one is coming right after a live event that I attended. So if you hear a little bit of echo and extra noise in the background, it is what it is. What can you do? But I guarantee you this will be a fantastic talk with the man I have in front of me today. He is the founder, CEO, and executive producer of Smash Wrestling, which you can catch every Friday on the Fight Network. Professional wrestler, the endorsement, Sebastian Suave. Hey, thank you for having me. Really excited to do this, my friend. No, thanks for being here. So we just finished a, a show, the the Northern Tournament, day yeah. one. Are you, are you happy with the results? Yeah, I mean, I, I won my match. And uh, so <laughs> in that respect, yes. And uh, in the respect of, uh, you know, I always like portraying us wrestlers as artists. We are performing in front of an audience. Of course. And we care, uh, you know... We are athletes, but if you are in pro sports, the end goal is to win. In pro wrestling, like musicians and just like painters and tons of different kind of artists, right. you know, sure, the money it matters, sure, being considered a winner matters, but you really care about your art and how your audience and the paying customer feel about it. And I was very proud of my match with Lefisto tonight, and for those who are not familiar, she is truly deserving of the title of legend. Yeah. I believe she's been going 19 years and it's her final year due to recurring injuries and right. we've always had a lot of mutual respect and there was a unique opportunity for us to finally uh, have a one-on-one match or to be honest, I think it's the first time we ever had any kind of match. So right. very proud of it and uh, I knew she was proud of the contest as well. So definitely in good spirits. Well, as sitting in the audience watching it, it was fantastic. Again, the storytelling in Smash alone, just in your matches, you don't need promos because you could just follow a line. Like my wife, for example, she's not a pure wrestling fan like I am. Yeah. And she understood the whole story from start to finish and she loves it. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, sometimes simplification in, in all forms of art is, is best because storytelling doesn't have to get complicated. Storytelling, right? storytelling needs to have emotion, right? Thank you. And that's, that's again, music, like I'm not saying, sometimes there's a musician who's so lyrically talented and uses a lot of verbiage, and that's impressive. Right. And I'm not diminishing, it's just impressive. Yeah. But some of the greatest musics of our time, some of the greatest movies of our time, tugged on emotions. Yeah. People could relate to it or people felt sympathy. It's true because you know people what? People felt anger. Even nowadays, that's how I think today's movies 
are not as good as like the movies from the 80s boom, and boom, 90s. Flash, crazy yes, movies. right? It's all yeah, just and explosions and nonsense. And you can have that, but don't, don't, don't forget the grassroots and the foundations of what your work is. Whether you have the big explosions or not, right. you still need to pull on emotion. People well, need to feel so. something. Well, I think that's why they're doing all these remakes too, because they know they worked in the past. Yeah. But again, but they're missing the emotion. They don't get it. They think yeah. it's the character or the name. or. That's why you see the rare movies that are an original. They're not a remake. Right. And they come from a, from a really respected producer or director. Mm-hmm. They're usually the big Oscar winners because it's yep. a new emotion. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, a movie that has a great concept that, that, was, that pulled on emotion. The remake is enjoyable. Right. But the best movies are the ones that people experience emotion in a new way. They're like, I've never seen or heard that story before. Exactly. That kind of character is so fresh and unique to me. And it's like invoking it. It's like, uh, I, I'll use the analogy because like, uh, I'm a father of a four-year-old and a one-year-old. But okay. when you become a new parent, it's, it's a new emotion. Like You love birthdays. You love victories. You love winning a tournament. But it's like, man, I've never you know, experienced having a child. This is so gratifying and the same thing like first time you may graduate university yep. first time you land that big contract or payday or for you know you get married like it's a, it, you're experiencing something for the first time and that's I think that's something that we as artists have to remind ourselves because I, I always say that artists are flawed because we're purists right. we, we, res- we have so much respect for our art because we embodied it we were obsessed as fans we transitioned we perfected our craft. Right. So you try to be the best, the best musician, the most complicated musician, the best painter, the most abstract painter, the, the most technical wrestler. And that's all great. And I, I think there's a lot of hard work goes into that and that's needed. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget about emotion. And, you know, like, of course. And that is something, it's because it, emotion is something, it's a story you can tell to anyone of any age. Of, language is not even a barrier for it. Thank you. Exactly, right? And that's why I love wrestling too. And that's why I guess I'm so enthralled in Japanese wrestling as well. Like I don't even need to watch the English commentary. Even watching the Japanese, you still sort of get it, right? The easiest example I can give you, if anyone's familiar with the wrestling, when Ric Flair retired in the WWE, he faced Shawn Michaels. Of course, yeah. And the finish was not complicated. It was just Ric Flair crawling up off his knees, Shawn Michaels tuning out the band, but didn't want to, you know, shoot the dog in the backyard. And Ric Flair just waved in those those hands of his saying, come on, do it. And then he just said, I'm sorry. Yep. And super kicked his head off. And right after the three count, he even turned around, kissed him on his forehead. And, you know, people feel that. Like, exactly. the best example recently would be is, uh, it's all over the internet. It's how Cody Rhodes and right. his, brother his brother had that speech. And a lot of people, and, you know, it's not just a good story because I can't relate to the brother story, but there was right. someone, a good friend of mine who is part of the American wrestling scene. And he does a lot of gifts, and he sadly lost his brother this past year. And wow. he says, I've seen that Cody promo with Dustin a hundred times, and every time uh, I see it, I tear up because I need my bigger brother too. And uh, I almost cried reading that because I know the guy. Right. But it reminded me that, you know what? A lot of people have a sibling. A lot of people have lost a sibling or someone close. Or someone close, yeah. It's very relatable. And sometimes, you know, siblings or best friends have a falling out. And then you turn back and say, I need you in my life. Yeah. I need you in this journey. So there's a lot of way that promo relates to people. It's relatable. Of course. You know? And I think that's the best thing. If it, if it invokes emotion out of me when it's not relatable, imagine the people who can relate to it. See? And that's when you know you've hit a home run. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Okay, let's talk more about tonight. There's yeah. one match in particular I really want to touch on. 
because I've never seen. Go for it. Psycho Mike Rollins. <sighs> okay. If you, I have to give you the one-on-one <laughs> on his history. <laughs> go this, for this it. man uh, is truly a creative genius with the Psycho Mike character. Yep. Even before um, he d- he did the, this whole. Uh, for a few months, he has his conscience speaking to him on the speakers, and we can all hear his conscience. And it always starts with Psycho Mike. This is your conscience speaking. His conflict with him, <laughs> and even before that, him and his tag partner uh, Pepper Parks, also known as Braxton Sutter from Impact Wrestling, right? They were the world oil machines. Two great bodies and two guys with charisma who were two gym buffs together. Mm-hmm. And one was, you know, your, you know, your body guy who was your, you know, classic veteran gritty guy and the other one just a psycho guy right and they had great chem- chemistry with the comedy and then uh, uh, when they had their first falling out they said it was Mike was trying to always give his tag partner a, a gift in a box right and his partner kept smacking it so because <laughs> and eventually stomped on it and you know like interviewer would ask what's in the box and he'd be like a germ and like uh, eventually when they had their big blow-off match at a right. show of the year they had a what's in the box match and there was just boxes ever, massive boxes, small boxes and there were so many random things in the boxes and then when they, at the end of the match, the Bonnie Tyler song played Turn Around and the whole crowd, <laughs> the whole crowd singing the song and doing the waving their hands and then That's when he fantastic. finally turned around and they hugged, the crowd, I kid you not, when they turned around and gave a meaningful hug, the crowd erupted wrestlers and staff members were crying, they were like, this is the, oh we created God. a moment, right? That's what, <laughs> right? And I remember sitting there with a good friend of ours and our senior referee at the time, Jimmy Corderas from WWE. Right. He's like, he's like, that's fucking professional wrestling right there. And I was, right? Like, I was like, yeah, I'm like, I needed a reminder like that. Mm-hmm. And so they progressed as their, for our first <laughs> ever tag team champions and in a tag team blow-off match, mm-hmm. they did, instead of uh, tables, ladders, and chairs, they okay. did tables, ladders, and then Mike grabs the uh, mic and says, boxes. Boxes. And so Genius. there was there's so much creative, like, <laughs> just to give you one example of how creative that match was, they, mm-hmm. they mashed the box over his head. Okay. And they started doing super kicks to his head in the box. Right. And suddenly he sits up, not feeling the effects of the super kick. He okay. takes off the box. And it's a bicycle helmet. Oh my god. And goodness. then he starts doing bicycle kicks. <laughs> like, you know, just the subtleties. Like I don't even know if other people picked that up, but like right. th- there was there's sheer beauty in like <coughs> how creative and different he is and yeah. the evolution of his partner finally turning on him. It's, exactly. It's, there's there's he always had this self doubt where his conscience started talking to him mm-hmm. and saying, you know, you know, his, his tag partner was hurting and he says, because they're well-known machines, he, they rub each other's backs with oil. Of course. And so his tag partner, <laughs> he sits his partner on a chair and he's rubbing his back and he's like, hey, get some of the oil in his conscious cycle, like, Mike. Right. This is your chance. Turn on Braxton and hit him with a chair. Right. And everyone's like, no. <laughs> and then he wouldn't do it in his conscious. But like, just tell The emotion, right. again. I'm telling you all this because whether it's comedy is an emotion. It you're is, exactly. Laughter, you're, imagine a crowd doing the wave and singing Bonnie Tyler. Like, I don't even know the song. And, like, I just know it turn around. But the whole crowd singing. I'm like, why right. does everyone know the lyrics? <laughs> but the comedy. And then, like, now you can really... He, he's had, you know, some emotional moments with his partner turning on him. Right. But you can all see the comedic side now. And, like, yeah, tonight, uh, his, his, his opponent, which was Crazy. his tag partner, yep. was... Uh, Mike came back from Japan. And in our last show in London... There was a montage of 
Bonnie Tyler, but playing in Japanese because oh I didn't God. even know there's such a thing as Bonnie Tyler in Japanese. I don't know either. But he did the montage where he actually filmed it in Japan, fighting the like he did this is the '80s montage where oh he's fighting these goons and masks and he's right. It's just like so like it's so like cheesy that it's funny. Yeah, and whatever, <laughs> our audience knows the American and Canadian version of. The montages we did with him okay and now Makes this is the japanese version right and then it shows him like going through the japanese airports oh like taking a snoring with the like the i cover in, oh yeah, in yeah. The plane and then he comes out of the pearson airport in toronto and he arrives to the arena and like he snaps his uh his former tag partner's neck the way he always kills the people in the videos okay and gotcha, so now yes. his partner wasn't here for this match because right. he was like livid that he has an injured neck Mm-hmm. So he's waiting for the mystery <laughs> opponent of his, right. and his conscience, you know, tells him that, "Hey, I'm your opponent." He's like, "Who said that?" And he's like, "He's like, get out of here." And he's like, "That's the thing. I'm already out of here." <laughs> and then he ends up fighting himself. Yep. But I can imagine someone fighting themselves and being funny. But the way he does it is truly oh, next level. Like my favorite yes. thing is it's the subtleties. Like he. He, he crawls to one rope and points at this imaginary conscience at right. the other ropes. Yeah. Then he crawls over fast and then points back. It's like, <laughs> I know. It's, it's so, like, people have to see it. Like, for me, it's like, it's one thing when you wrap your hand around your neck and throw yourself down. It's funny. Right. But the way he does those little things that are so absurd just kill me. And yeah, like, it was fantastic. Like, if you think about it, you can have 15 athletic matches in a night, which we never do. We have seven to eight. Right. But he's different. And right? you need that. He stands out. Like they, it doesn't even have to be your favorite match, right? But you will remember him. And, and you know what? Coming away from the, this whole Northern tournament, other than Ultimo Dragon, because obviously being yeah. an old school wrestling yeah, fan, absolutely. I used to watch WCW, right? And his matches with Ray, and even his matches in Japan are classics. So, other than that, the other thing I want to take away from this is Psycho Mike. Absolutely. The part I loved the most was uh, him waterboarding himself. Yeah. Like, like, how does someone come up with that? He comes up with, like, he shows me the water bottles. He's like, he's like, you have a white towel. I'm like, why? He's like, I'm going to waterboard myself. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what? I know, right? And like, here's a funny thing that no one will even see. And it just killed me. So last night he messages me on Facebook, Mm -hmm. Messenger. And I know he's going to have a match with himself. And... He, he basically needed a table or a board, as you saw, to, for the finish of the That's match. That's right, yes. He's like, hey, man, uh, we were just going over the match, and I was wondering if uh, you have a table. We think it will really look good. And I'm like, it digests five seconds. He's saying we. Because <laughs> oh I'm used to, like, someone, if they say we, I'm by default thinking, this is not in front of audience. This right. is just for me. Yeah, exactly. And, like, five seconds, like, I'm like, and I'm dead. I'm like, I'm like you know what? I'm going to retire as a wrestler because right. you have set the bar. I'm like, you're just talking to your friend and you're, you're saying we're talking about the match. It's like, you and your conscience. Like, and he's, he's, if anything, it's like, it's like, you know when some people are so good, they're always on? Yes, exactly. He's asking me a question and he's still like committing to it. <laughs> he, just, he just wants to like make me laugh. And I think like if you think about it, if he's that committed to making his friend laugh in private, like with right. his character and how it shows how much enthusiasm he has for the story and the character, first of all, yeah. but like, if that's the kind of enthusiasm he shows towards this character in that match, mm-hmm. imagine what he'll do in front of an audience. Of course. Like, it just goes to show his yeah. love for the business, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Some general questions here. Yeah. What came up? What made you come up with Smash? What was the initial uh, thought that I want to start my own promotion? It's a long story because it's a ripple effect, but the, the summary is once I became a wrestler, about five years in, my company was a that I wrestled for and I trained out of. Mm-hmm. They were pretty big in Ontario and Canada, and they merged with another big company. Okay. And 
a lot of the wrestlers from our brand were not being used or misused, oh. or at least felt that way. Right. Okay. And I started. I asked my trainer because uh, before that, I ran two charity shows for my wrestling school, and oh, I nice. really enjoyed it. And okay. I remember I wanted to do something with charity and. I was told the key to a good charity event is use something you have resources to. And I was like, I guess it's a wrestling show. I I figured, sure, I'll do a charity show once a year. But once a lot of people were disgruntled, right or wrong, I said, I asked my trainer, I'm like, you know, I'm like, can I run shows that are themed for our school? Right. So, and it was strictly using the... students, fresh graduates, or the alumni. Okay. So the people that were affiliated with the school, it's like, and, you know, it it went well, Mm -hmm. and I was doing well, but, like, I had the itch to do things a little different to my vision. Right. But the reality is, like, even if my trainer gave me the green light, it's it's the school's roster, it's the school's already established who the top guys are, and there's some creative restrictions, and it's not at anyone's fault it's like I wouldn't start my wrestling my trainer's wrestling school shows and bring back what I'm trying to give a platform to the people that were part of that brand right it's not my vision from scratch so eventually okay. um, myself and another uh, member of the roster were kind of co-running the shows together and mm-hmm. when I knew he things were good in his hands I kind of started my own thing and um, I just wanted it to be different but I immediately like at the time no one would really bring wrestlers from Ottawa or Quebec to Ontario and right, there's a that, couple of fresh yeah, that's true. faces like the Smash Brothers at the time I'm like why aren't they here full time Right. and Matt Cross was out of uh, Cleveland and he was a guy that I always respected and had a good rapport with online and I'm mm-hmm. like that's another guy and just, just and then some of the people who were used in the Toronto or Ontario area that right. were really good I noticed they're on like 6-7 places within an hour and a half and I'm like I want to use them some of them are my good friends but I'm like you don't want redundancy so I'd That's use him in too. a different role. Brent Banks, one of our top uh, good guys. Right. He was he was still a crazy high flyer, but he was never a bad guy or heel anywhere. Oh wow! So I said, over the first three shows, we'll build up a, like a bit of a poor sport attitude, of frustration, mm-hmm. and we used him differently. Myself and another guy who's very talented. Uh, we were in all these other places, but I said, but you and I are not a tag team anywhere. Let's right. try that here. Why not? Yeah. And we we found ways to be fresh, and I think that's been the evolution of our company. Uh, no one's perfect and there's hurdles, but uh, we typically strive to be fresh. I think you have you still have your core roster. You have, you, of course, you like, need that because then you have your core fans who want to see yeah, those people day in and day out as well, right? You see the stable on part of the pillars. The four of us are called the pillars because we're there from day one. Mm-hmm. There's another two wrestlers, Hacker, Scotty O'Shea, and Mike Rollins that are here since day one too. Okay. Uh, there's like six or six, maybe seven of us, but... Um, the four of us have been quite constant and we travel together and um, there's a bit of a chemistry so like that's you know and essentially the pillars there's a bit of irony to it because you can argue that since we've been there since day one Mm -hmm. it can be redundant that it's always us around the company but us becoming the pillars was uh, being fresh Mm -hmm. by putting the non-fresh guys together if you know what I mean so there's a bit of irony in be, not being stagnant by putting the stagnant guys together right. and we weren't stagnant it's just like I mean everything in this company every wrestler every story has to eventually freshen up and cycle in a different direction but well you have to yeah and so I mean that's I mean and that's where we're at today we've had a lot of growth since day one but Smash came about me just having a good knack and enjoyment for promoting and you know I still strive to 
you know, grow as a wrestler. Right. But uh, because I wasn't half-assing it, it came to a point where I had to decide, am I going to chase rest being a wrestler 120% or promoter 120%? Because oh. I, if it's impossible to do both at 120%. Gotcha, yeah. Like, I was going to, at the time we did the first Smash show, <laughs> I was in Mexico for six weeks, oh, and wow. then I was in Japan between the second and third show for three months. Wow. You cannot run full-time. Like, right now we have five shows a month sometimes, and it yeah, takes exactly. a lot of work. Like, it's a Monday to Friday day job for me to promote. Definitely. And on weekends, I run my shows, or I'm wrestling for other companies, right? Right. And so, I, I, I'm very proud of where because the wrestler in me still has love for it and I, I'm not lazy about it and so what I have to do is find a balance of still uh, proving to people that you know I, I'm not a some people know I'm a promoter whether they're fans or wrestlers but right. I want to show that I can still go as hard as anyone else so and sometimes promoting consumes my life so much that I don't I feel like I don't get to invest the same amount of time as others makes sense but uh, everything's a balance and I think I've found a balance where I can uh, kind of showcase myself on both fronts at a good level. Okay, so what's the most difficult thing about running Smash, in your opinion? Um, I'm not knocking talent or staff. Sure. But it's really management. And I've really... Uh, leading a, a roster of wrestlers or uh, a group of staff or volunteers, um, it's, a, it's a constant learning experience because the reality is just like in any head office, mm -hmm. management is sometimes half the job is keeping people happy and listening right. to people. And when people are on a high and productive, making sure they feel appreciated and they have a ball to run with. Mm -hmm. And when they're upset or disgruntled or two people that aren't yourself are at odds, you know, you, you kind of try to patch things up. And the reality is, no matter how good you are, how much you care, there is, will always be uh, sometimes uh, a, a lost step in communication between you or others, mm -hmm. or someone bottles something in everyone. And the reality right. is, everyone reacts or differently or behaves differently to different situations. Of course. It's, no, you can't expect everyone to follow the same rules or feel the same way or handle a situation the same way. So right. you got to make sure you know your people and you got to make sure uh, when you or someone else are, are wrong or, or forget to relay a message or uh, don't get the best out of someone or, or if someone may feel unappreciated, mm -hmm. you got to make sure you, you do your best to communicate and own it, right? Right, of course. And, uh, I've come to do a better job at that. I don't think I've ever done a bad job, but I, there's always room for growth. Because you start learning that the more staff you get, or the more the more you grow as a company, mm -hmm. the more the bar is set. That's true. The, the higher the expectations, and the right. more a wrestler or a staff member contributes to your brand, uh, the more they're pouring their heart, their sweat, and their tears into it. The more emotion and emotional investment and passion they have, and the higher the more you do that the more there's room for potential disappointment or something doesn't go wrong. Of course. If someone's here to set up a couple chairs and watch a kick-ass show as staff, there's not room for much disappointment. They've been around a few times. This is a cool experience. Everyone right. gets along. But if someone's really going the extra mile for your company as a wrestler or as a staff member, and uh, again, uh, we have always had a reputation. People say, you have some of the best staff. You guys, the rapport is the greatest. Like, I, I always hear it. But I appreciate it. But it's like, it's not that I don't buy it. It's that... <laughs> 
we we work hard and we have some people some like the stuff Mike Rollins does for us right. and Mike Rollins isn't disgruntled but the more someone puts in that kind of quality work mm-hmm. you need to make sure they feel appreciated you need to give them a ball to run and feel some creative freedom and right. uh, if you or someone else you know we're all human beings making mm-hmm. air you have to spot it and you have to you have to learn to be a, a People, uh, manager of people. You need to have good management skills. Almost like a psychiatrist, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and you got to learn to make your peace when things cannot be fixed or people do not want to change ways. Like, right. look at it as a pro sports team. Two people may have issues together on a team, and as a coach, you want them to get back on the same page. Mm-hmm. I don't like saying it, but there's a chance one or both of these guys may never get back on the same page. And if you've done your best and you think you've put your best foot forward and you've given it time to breathe and mm-hmm. uh, does one of them have to go? You, you hope not. Mm-hmm. But um, ma- managing people has so many layers and there's no right answer and there's so many variables. But I'd say that's the hardest part and, and that goes beyond wrestling, right? Any working environment, any team environment, any that's family true. environment, There's you got to learn how to work with the people around you and do your best and or it's like you know you can fight with your wife or girlfriend or your kids or your parents but mm-hmm. uh, if you never want to apologize or if even when you're in the right if you don't approach the situation the proper way right it can get ugly right well of course yeah that's awesome okay has anything happened during a show that you were just like I give up I don't want to fucking do this anymore I'm done like something that just was just out of the blue like I don't know a ring collapsing or yeah, lights not working know. I think most of the common thing is uh, a wrestler not making their flight or oh shit it's happened it's happened quite a few times that's right you lose a lot of money and no matter how much it's not your fault and you try to fix the situation and get them on a second flight or find a backup last minute, which sometimes you get a kick-ass upgrade. You know, you're True. like, you know what? This guy <laughs> is really respectable. This guy is next level. We're going to give people an upgrade as a replacement. And like right. you say, you do the PR save, right? But sometimes you just can't. And the Especially reality is your fans know your reputation and they know the other guy may not be at the same level, but it's a respect guy from Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new fans are not as forgiving and think it's Carly. Oh, typical, like, indie. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's so many things that could go wrong. And, like, some of our... You can have technical problems. And our producer gets a heart attack with that stuff. Like, <laughs> it's not that I don't care. We've incurred so many problems that people or fans have seen and not seen. Right. That I'm so numb to it by okay, now. Gotcha. And when it happens, it sucks. Yeah. Like maybe I lose some money that I shouldn't. Maybe we take a PR hit. Mm-hmm. I'm just numb to it. I'm like, guys, I like it is what it is. Well, how much pressure is it now having to fight network deal? Uh, there's some pressure. It's um, or do they even bother you? Is it just like you guys give us what you want, or do they actually? Hey, guys, can you bring in so and so every uh, once in a while? Can the you relationship do this for us? is no. They don't tell us how to run our show. Okay. I mean. They want, they, to be honest, they have always respected our brand, that we have a nice. passionate audience, as they put it, and that we are considered either by most the top brand in Canada or amongst there, to each their own, right? Definitely. But, yeah, you know, sure. we are in that conversation, and uh, the only thing was always, like, up the production or the venue, and, like, oh, okay. you know, from Franklin Horner, where we're tonight, we went to the Phoenix Concert Theatre in Toronto, the London Music Hall in London, mm-hmm. and expensive venues, but, you know, the lighting and the the production and the stages and the big monitors, they're all there. And um, thankfully, we, we are our producers a magician. And if we are not in those venues, he still does his best with the lighting and the curtains and all that. And he's truly, 
he had a lot of skill sets and he self-taught himself so much more that awesome. without him there's certain shows that wouldn't have that same presentation so you know that's something not to take for granted but the reality mm -hmm. is um, they loved our brand the only thing was they we needed to because there was a I told them I'm like you're a Canadian owned company and you don't have a Canadian brand and the last one they had right. production wasn't there and the, the quality of wrestling wasn't there and okay. here we are you know, uh, and luckily the rapport was, it's more of like when someone wants to see you succeed, mm -hmm. they wanted us to get to the point where they can put us on TV and awesome. we're there. And we get some great feedback from them, you know, like they can nitpick stuff that, me as a wrestler, I'll nitpick something that you may not see as a fan. Of course. Them as a network, they'll nitpick stuff like, like we upgraded our microphone or like, okay. still not good enough. And really? I'm like, <laughs> and, but you know, it's, it's good to know because we want to achieve a standard of not being a, the reality is the, the diehard niche market know us and respect us, whether they're yeah. in Canada, the U.S., the U.K., wherever. We're trying to transition the fans who watch just WWE or Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. And they may have seen a bit of indie wrestling or, or, or with terrible production, which is usually the catch. Right. And we don't want that to be their, their first impression of us. So when we get the, it's like more lighting. We're like, we've got more lighting, <laughs> even more. And we're, like, <laughs> it's, we're learning what it takes to have that perception of, being that elite brand or that TV brand. Right. And that's it's, fantastic. And it shows. Like yeah. It shows on the network. And obviously, you must be doing something right because you just filmed your 100th episode. Congratulations Thank on that you. as well. So hopefully another 100 and more to come. Yeah. And what's the end goal out of all that? What do you want to smash to accomplish in the There's, end? Do you want to be... Okay, I'm not going to yeah, put my yeah. foot on my ass, but do you want to be a full-time brand like WWE? Do you want to be the top indie? Do you want to merge and put all companies together sort of it, like it NWA changes. style? It always changes. But I think we, we, we always wanted to be the top Canadian brand first, you know. I mean, that was the goal, but we're like, all right, we're, we're at the top of Toronto or in that conversation, then Ontario. And then, like, I, I'd see perception people be like, Smash Wrestling is the top Ontario company. And I'd hate that. Not, it's complimentary and it was hard work, but I'm like, I want to be known as a Canadian brand. And even now oh, that we're the Canadian brand, right. some people still use the language that they're the top promotion in Ontario. And I, I'm not a fan, because everyone, it's like music. You can't tell me, ever, this, everyone thinks Eminem or everyone thinks, like, you know, the Stone Temple Pilots are the greatest of all time. It's like everyone has a different feel, yeah, different course. taste. But the more people use the language of Canadian, that's when we rebranded our logo. We went from having the CN Tower that's right. uh, to having the Canadian Maple Leaf because we wanted to be a very Toronto-centric brand. And right. then we would now want to say, okay, we're going to TV, we're a Canadian brand. So are you guys going to expand How, or have you already done shows outside of Ontario? Uh, very low. We do some stuff in Montreal once okay. once a year. We've been to Nunavut. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, the U.S. is near impossible because of the laws of wrestling crossing over for Canada versus U.S. They can come oh, here easily. Right. For us guys, it's a no and people risk it sometimes. But mm -hmm. as a business, uh, it's just not being turned away as a wrestler. And, you know, you can keep your career as it's at you make that transition to do a show in the U.S., you want to capitalize. So we have to follow the legal process and due diligence to do it right. Of course. But uh, I'd, I'd say, I mean, a couple of the goals have been to uh, succeed nationally as a brand. Mm -hmm. uh, they have been to create partnerships globally where we can have a presence, whether it's as a sole brand or in a versus event or sending talent out where right. we have a presence in different countries mm -hmm. and um, with doing TV it'd be nice to transition to rather than taping for I love taping for TV but 
to go live. We did a live Twitch stream that was highly successful with Impact. Oh, nice. And we have, like, we we're pretty sure we're good to do that. But it's a transition that we're going to be patient with because mm-hmm. we, we don't want any technical difficulties like we've seen a lot of impressive, right. respected promotions have. When we make that transition, we want to be flawless mm-hmm. and we do also want a proper audience. We don't want to do it where whether there's tech issues or we, we have a flawless program but there's not enough eyes on the live stream. No, that so, makes sense. Uh, there, there, we want to be ambitious with a lot of our end goals but you also have to have due process. Definitely. And you touched on it. You want to have a presence everywhere. Now let's speak of SummerSlam weekend yeah. or week, I guess yeah. now that yeah. it is. It starts what? I guess Tuesday or Wednesday or something? We're starting uh, on the Wednesday wrap up on uh, Saturday wow. and there's a lot of promotions I wanted to work with but at the end of the day it's uh, I don't mean it in a bad way Toronto specifically is thriving so much with wrestling there's so many promotions and yep. they're all bringing incredible talent that uh, it's hard to stand out or do something different mm-hmm. and uh, if there's a Raptors playoff game or there's a big movie premiere or there's I can't think of something there's something that you know I want whatever people's cup of tea is like, well, you know, someone says, I won't get to see the Dalai Lama ever again. Right. I want to do an event. People who like wrestling, they're like, look, there's companies from the U.S. they can get a cheap flight to or they could drive to. Right. Or all these incredible companies this way are going to fly their top talent. Mm-hmm. What we did is Progress Wrestling is one of the top brands in the world yep. out of the U.K. People will see them online, but have you ever seen them live before? And the only people who... In Toronto, we brought them to their first ever North American show in Toronto for two versus shows with us. Okay. And that was a few years ago. But outside of them going to New York or a couple of state stops, you know, which not many Canadians have gone to, we're like, you may never see Progress Wrestling live again. They got a Progress Wrestling show and they got a Progress versus Smash Wrestling show Mm -hmm. where we're working together. Same thing with WXW, the second biggest brand in in Europe. Yep. When will you... You're going to fly to Germany to see this brand that has one of the most famous tournaments in the world. I know, right? You can see them live and then they have a (laughs) shoot-style series tournament, which is ambition. It's it's like the blood sport events you see at WrestleMania weekend. Oh, sure. Nice. And they've been doing that for many years. So they're presenting two shows that you may never see. And then so between having a UK company and a German company, we just made a partnership with OWE out of China. That's crazy. And they have their partnership that with AEW that really blew up. And we're saying, you will never fly to China just to see a wrestling show, probably. It's like, you get to see That's them true. as well here. <laughs> and then for a women's show, we know that Shimmer Wrestling and also Rise Wrestling in the U.S., they, they're two of the big three ones. Yep. They've never been to Canada or Toronto. Wow. And now with them two and the other elite promotion in Canada, Femme Fatale, all women's promotion. And a lot of people know we have a reputation for quality women's wrestling and annually. We do a big yep. all-women's Canada versus U.S. tournament. Here you have these four brands that are big in North America and wrestling. Together, they're collaborating to put a mega women's show with mm-hmm. all their titles defended. We're crowning our first women's champion. You have not seen these. If you're in Toronto or near Toronto, you haven't seen these these all women's shows live. Right. And if you have, you haven't seen them all together. So, That's true. Yeah. And then we have our annual big show, Super Showdown, which is like our WrestleMania show. Of course. So it's like beyond us. I'm like, I don't want to... I want anyone who even casually follows indie wrestling right. or is willing to go to SummerSlam weekend. Like, If they're in New York, like, that's ah, a $300 flight or a $200 mm-hmm. flight. I want to give you as many reasons to say I will probably never get a chance to see this live. 
Right. So if the Dalai Lama is in town, you're like, oh, maybe I'll see him in, in my trip to a European or Asian country. Yeah. But you're like, but this weekend I won't get to see you again. <laughs> so that's where that's what that weekend's about for us. It's truly much like we discussed about Mike Rollins, mm-hmm. offering something truly different. And it's true. Now, when you put this together, obviously you have the WWE, what's whatever they're doing that whole weekend with NXT and all yeah. that. Do you guys look at what other promotions are doing and try and counteract so you're not uh, running the yes, same day? No, we or? knew it would be near impossible. We, I'm not diminishing anyone in Ontario, but okay. we're comfortable with our spot in the market. Nice. And just as they may not like it if we run the same night and vice versa, right. it happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, we're aware of who was going to run what. Uh, the only thing we didn't foresee was I, I'm truly being presumptuous but we didn't expect Ring of Honor to run let alone run the same night as us right but I think once we and I know there's another brand planning to make an announcement okay but I think once we it's not that we just announced ourselves we announced us and Progress and WXW and OWE and these top women's promotions Uh, other people saw the same reasons as Wrestlemania weekend to jump on board and what they're doing is not illegal anyone like like the fact let's be blunt uh, I'm piggybacking WWE SummerSlam weekend, right? And then they're piggybacking our momentum. Yeah, it's hypocritical to get mad. It's like That's you just too. you just got to put your best foot forward. And I think the one thing we got going is we're telling fans we have all these events at this venue, mm-hmm. and there are some groups, uh, limited group packages if you buy tickets to four or five shows. And we're telling fans, yeah, you can come to a couple of our shows and go to another show. But you can watch all these shows at this venue and get a hotel near here uh, before you get to SummerSlam. Uh, exactly. I'm, I'll be one of them. Like I was looking for tickets yeah. to any of the events that WWE was putting. Most, yeah. most forward I was looking towards was uh, NXT. Yeah, and we made sure we didn't it's, conflict with it's too NXT. Expensive. We made sure we didn't conflict with NXT and SummerSlam. But you know, if if people even come to town and get to watch that at like you know the rec room and a big party scene, and they spend ten dollars on the entry fee right. or the go to bar, they mm-hmm. get to still experience Toronto. They still get to experience like what we're offering as well. No, it's and fantastic. So you know, I think sometimes like you shouldn't recklessly go high risk high reward. But if uh, if there's a unique opportunity, you need to take the gamble. And it's cliche, but take the calculated risk, as you know, Vince McMahon used to say. <laughs> There's no guarantees, but if if we didn't do it hypothetically, would someone else do it? And right. just not the money, but the buzz and the perception that you're the brand that's you know making unique moves. And for us, it's always mm-hmm. what can we do that truly sets us apart. I mean, you can bring in all these great names, but everyone else is bringing in great names. Like, but it's true. doing the SummerSlam group thing uh, at this magnitude and these brands from international countries. We feel we did something other people haven't done before. No, that's fantastic. And hats off to you. Again, I don't know how you managed to put all this together. And again, like you said, wearing the promoter's hat and the wrestler's hat, right? Okay, so one last question before I get into the dumb laws game that I wanted to know. As a promoter, do you get to grief? You book yourself in championship matches. Do you do this for yourself? Do you take shortcuts because you're a wrestler? I have been yelled at so much <laughs> for not pushing myself enough. Oh, so you're the opposite. Yeah. I stopped, I disagreed with a lot of them. I just found ways to put myself in the spotlight when I felt there was momentum. Like, I'm very honest. I'm like, if there's a momentum with one or two matches or a story, I'm like, all right, let's roll with this. But, like, it doesn't always have to be uh, the title. Like, we, we recently had uh, one of the pillars, Tarek, become champion, and then the other two, Brent Banks and Tyson Dukes, were tag champions. Right. And I played it off where I'm like, <laughs> I'm technically putting the belt on three of my buddies, but I'm like, and which was the right decision. Mm-hmm. And 
I was in the ring there, but I'm like, I, I cut the promo where I'm like, I respect you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm still a pillar. But if you're all three of you are going to stand here with those belts and I'm empty handed, it's like, this is not the spotlight I want. And I like oh, walk away and right. like, ooh, it's like, <laughs> but I'm always the jerk of the group, right? Okay. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think uh, me and Tarek had a feud while we were building up the pillars. And we were the pillars, but I was always had a little grudge with him. Okay, right. And last Super Showdown, which was our WrestleMania show, we had a last man stand match, uh, that one match of the year, and we did it as the opener, which is a rare thing to have that big blow-off match to start a show, right. let alone with like weapons and all that. No kidding. But, you know, that was my way of kind of giving myself the spotlight without needing to put myself in the main event or facing the big superstar talent that came in. And sometimes... Uh, you know, recently we had TJP in London and London, right. Ontario, and I had a great contest with him. I was proud of him. Uh, there's a time and a place. I think as long as people don't see me shoving myself down their throats, it's true. Whether people like people can say, "Hey, if you deserve the spot, you do." I'm like, "Yeah," but you know, perception's everything. And if if a few fans that know I'm the boss or my own locker room sees me doing it too often, even that's if it's true. granted, I think there's a right balance to everything. You know. So. Well, that's true. And I, well, again, coming into Smash, not knowing a thing before I yeah. started following these guys, I had no idea that yeah. you were the CEO and everything yeah. involved, right? Because again, you weren't pushing yourself a lot. Yeah. So, no, hats off to you. All right. Want to play the dumb last game? Yes. Let's see how good you are at this. Don't feel pressured. Not a lot of people win this because these are so stupid. There's 25% no... <laughs> odd is a better odd than most things I've had in my life. Perfect. All right. No particular order. So one of these is true. Okay. In Massachusetts... It's illegal for a woman to write a man during sex. Okay. In Rhode Island, it is illegal to drive a vehicle with an ice cream cone. All right. In Texas, it is illegal to sell or buy men's hair dye. And finally, in Utah, it is illegal for a group of three or more people to watch pornography. I decided to strictly go on the states, not on the laws. Okay. And Utah is quite messed up sometimes, so I'm just going to go with that one. No, it's not Utah. Is Massachusetts quite messed up? You got it. Okay, Massachusetts. First, you mentioned Massachusetts. <laughs> that was my first, right off the game, I'm like, I think this is it. I'm like, Massachusetts has some, their old, their old history is quite messed up, fucked up to be blunt. It's but true. You, Utah has some interesting laws too. No, uh, well, again, everyone has the different uh, way of thinking how to play this. Some people go with the most logical, which is yeah. never. Some people go with the most dumbest, oh, yeah. but you went with the state. That's that's yeah. unique. I've never heard anyone try and take that route. <laughs> I, 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 truly, I, I have no like uh, strategy. I'd like to hear. so I'm like you just go. With where you know how messed up a country or a province or a state is. <laughs> That's true, especially if they're an older state, right? <laughs> well, you have anything to plug where people can find you? Anything you want to... Yeah, obviously, I mean, you have a lot of shows coming up. Hey, so. If you follow Smash Wrestling, uh, you'll, you'll find a way to see me. Uh, I mean, if you type in Sebastian Suave, you'll find me on most social media platform or at Suave Wrestling. But Smash Wrestling, at Smash Wrestling on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Smash Wrestling is our Facebook fan page. Smash-Wrestling.com is our website. Uh, you type in Smash Wrestling, we pop up with YouTube and everything else. Uh, we're all over Ontario and Toronto and London uh, in Kitchener. We've been in Oshawa. We've been up north in North Bay. Uh, we've been in the Ottawa Valley. We've been in St. Catharines in the Niagara region. We're in the smaller western markets like Dresden. Like uh, We've been in Torelia recently. We, 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 we expand aggressively, and uh, we're not afraid to see if a particular market works or doesn't work for us. So, um, 
you know, we have a great rapport with companies in Barrie and Montreal, and you'll see some of our wrestlers there. So mm-hmm. uh, if that's closer to home and that's what, you know, gets you to put your feet in the shallow end before you make your way to smash to, <laughs> uh, to, to see what I want to shill your way, then that's be it. But this, uh, I'd say if you come to any show this summer uh, or in the near future, come to our SummerSlam weekend. You're, you're there for you know, SummerSlam with WWE, but like I said, we're truly offering some once-in-a-lifetime unique experiences that people don't get to experience anywhere else in wrestling. Perfect. I'll be by one of those shows, that's for sure. Yeah. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Finger Styles. You can find the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, review, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Go to podbros.com and support the sponsors as well. Any last thoughts for the people out there listening? Uh, yeah, just uh, <laughs> keep listening to my man Steve. This, these, these are my favorite kind of uh, interviews. Uh, when it's laid back and we're just talking shop, uh, right. you, you find you find you gravitate your way towards some interesting conversations. And, it's true, and especially when you don't have like you see my notes. I have yeah. like literally pinpoints in front of me. I'm just going off a conversation. And and some people like that end it. up asking some unique questions, and we, like sometimes we dwell into like I love the guys at Live Audio Wrestling, which is post wrestling now. Yeah, well, I've had Braden on the show. So they I'm familiar. they ask me some questions about like my philosophies or, or two cents on the scene and then like they just love my response I'm like these are the conversations I only have with one or two of my key staff members I'm wow. like or like I can vent you know to, to my <laughs> wife and she gives no shits about wrestling right. but like suddenly there's a wrestling audience that's like I start getting all this feedback to like that was a fun conversation or that was a very awesome. fresh take so I'd love to have this chat again down the road, my brother. Oh, most definitely. You let me know because you're a very busy man. And I'm sorry, I lied. I got one last question. Yeah. Because my, my wife being Spanish, I have to know this. The last name Suave. When I first saw you, I thought you were like Rico Suave. Yeah. Is that where you got the name from? Hola, mi nombre es Sebastian. <laughs> que linda eres, señorita. That's the only thing I know in Spanish. In high school, one of my best friends, uh, she's Spanish. And, you know, when you're in high school and you're single, like, teach me something. No. Um... <laughs> My real name is Sebastian, and uh, I always wanted to. I found in wrestling names that had like the same letter S S B. Oh, right. And so I wrote a thousand words from a dictionary, and eventually I ended up with five or six. And okay. Suave was one of them, and uh, the character wasn't what I thought it'd be. And like people just presumed, like, oh, you must be this rich, smug, cocky guy. And right. It just worked out to that. So, but I remember <laughs> uh, I used Suave because. Uh, Sorry, Sebastian, because one of my uh, wrestling veterans said no wrestler's name Sebastian, so it's a unique name. Right. And I just needed to figure out that last name. Perfect. But well, I can't tell you how many times people walk up to me in wrestling, look at me, right. and I want to punch them every time. They go, Suavemente. See? And that's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, listen, <laughs> that's the kind of shit my mom rocked out to when I was in her car when I was five. I get it. But no. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) On that note, he's Sebastian. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Beautiful.